Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vampire Historian Podcast. This is your host, Dax Stokes, and this episode, um, the second for October 2018, is an interview with independent scholar Hans de Roos, who um, is most known for his work on the translation of Powers of Darkness, the Icelandic uh, version of Dracula, which was um, released in 2017. And also as the um, organizer of this year's uh, Children of the Night Dracula Congress in um, Romania, which is taking place next week. Um, so in this episode, we talk a little bit about um, some of the different translations of Dracula, some of his other work, and a little bit about that conference. So I hope you enjoy this episode with um, scholar Hans de Roos. And I do have to apologize ahead of time. Some of the audio is a little bit um, maybe difficult to hear at some points. Uh, Hans is in Germany right now, and um, I'm in Texas, so uh, a couple of times our connection got a little bit uh, wonky, so there may be some weird edits or some some weird audio. For listeners who might not know uh, much about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Okay, my name is Hans de Roos. I'm a Dutchman, but I lived in Germany for the last 30 years, and now I've moved to the Philippines. And I got interested in Dracula, uh, let's say, in the research uh, only six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I made a photo book uh, on the Dracula story, a photo story. Uh, and since then, I've been digging in all kinds of riddles and mysteries uh, compared to, uh, related to the novel. Right. So what, what got you interested in Dracula in the first place? Uh started with the visual thing. I, I was planning a photo series with a model from uh, Sweden, and we talked what we would do. Maybe we could do uh, Swan Lake, maybe Frankenstein, maybe something with Sherlock Holmes, and we ended up Dracula. Okay. And decided to make a photo series based based on the story with her, with other models. And when this photo series was ready, I thought, okay, I must write an introduction to this book. I wanted to publish it, uh, must know some more mm-hmm. about backgrounds, how Dracula became the figure that we know today. And so then I, I, my knowledge was merely based on my friends with the 1992 movie. Sure. And uh, Brad Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. And only later I started reading the novel as such. And uh, when I was uh, uh, done with the introduction, I thought, okay, maybe let's add, add some maps that the people, the readers can see where is what happening. And then I, I wanted to find out, okay, where's Castle Dracula? Where's, where's the castle that Jonathan goes to? Mm-hmm. And I I started reading around in, in the literature that I had collected, but I didn't find a clear answer. And uh, that's when I started really intensively researching uh, the storyline and the maps of that time. And I finally, I, I found it. I found mm-hmm. the mountain that Stoker had in his head as the place that uh, the cast was located. Right. 
Then I, I had another issue, the identity of Count Dracula. There's a, a long discussion uh, since 50 years, 60 years already, uh, suggesting that Stoker must have based his novel on Platz II, Flats the Impaler. Right. And uh, I looked through this, the text of, of Dracula again, and then I found out, hey, there's something strange happening in the chapter 25, and Mina and Van Helsing are talking about the past of the Count and trying to predict how we will react, where he will go after fleeing from London. They speak about the other of the Dracula race. Mm-hmm. They don't speak about the first ancient Dracula, they speak about this other. And that means that the only person in history, on the world, that cannot have been Count Dracula during his lifetime, is Flatty Impaler. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that's excluded. That's right. the other, to say. Uh, in Stoker's notes that he took notes on Michael the Brave, and that would fit quite nicely because Michael the Brave lived in a later age. Mm-hmm. As it's worded in the novel, he was called the bravest of all the men uh, in the land beyond the forest. And he was the only one that actually ruled nations. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember when Dracula uh, uh, is confronted by the men at Piccadilly. Now he, he scolds them and says, Me, I have who ruled nations centuries before you were born. But the only person that actually ruled nations was Michael the Brave, because he united Transylvania, Moldavia, and Wallachia. For a very short time. Vlad mm-hmm. uh, the was only the, the ruler of Wallachia, not of Pennsylvania or right. Moldavia. So that's another, I think, interesting clue I discovered. And then I said, okay, I have to tell the world. <laughs> I go to mm-hmm. London, I go to the Ram Stoker Centennial uh, Conference, met Baker Stoker, met Elizabeth Miller, met uh, Clive Leatherdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I got uh, involved in this research field and well there were still more topics sure. that I worked <laughs> oh sure yeah you've been, so, you've been publishing of, quite a bit yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the major things that you published um, you know recently has been the, the, the book Powers of Darkness which is the Translation of the Icelandic version. So, how did how did you get into you know researching that version of the book? Also, I think just by being stubborn, and I, I I wanted to write an essay for mm-hmm. the Journal of Dracula Studies about uh, Bram Stoker's claim that everything in the book is true, right? That it's based on actual facts and it's not made up. It's not it's not fiction. And uh, the the place where this is worded in the most radical way is in the preface to the Icelandic version. And mm-hmm. this preface had already been translated uh, in 1986. Has, Richard Dolby has published it. And it was quite well known, I think, in Dracula circles because it had this hint to Jack the Ripper. So I thought, okay, well, this is strange, this Jack, Jack the Ripper thing. He's talking about Jack, Jack the Ripper who will 
turn up in the story a little bit later, but he doesn't turn up. So I thought, okay, I must look at the original text. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolby already also published the Icelandic text of the preface. So I looked into that. And then when I, I, of course, I couldn't understand because I didn't speak Icelandic. Sure. <laughs> so I took one of the sent of this preface and put it into Google and then popped up a Icelandic newspaper archive hmm. that had published the complete story already one year before it was published in book form. Wow. That was already one big step because until now everyone thought oh, it was published only in 1901 in a hardcover by this Icelandic publisher that no one knows. And then I saw it was serialized already a year before, translated, serialized, published in an Icelandic newspaper. Mm-hmm. And, and when I found the serialization, I, uh, I got in touch with Asker Johnson. He's an Icelander, an Icelandic author, and he was the editor of the third Icelandic edition of the story of Magikrana. And he also had done some background research. And um, after talking with him, he 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 gave me a hint that that Magikrana is not the same as Dracula. Of course, that was to be expected because. Everyone has always said it was an abridged uh, translation. But when I tried to translate some of the lines from the text that I could take out of the newspaper, uh, I put it into Google Translate. And then I found out, hey, this plot is weird. There's uh, certainly there's new persons, new characters uh, playing a role in the story. And... The more I looked into it, uh, the more it became clear to me that, that this was a new plot modified with another ending, with uh, extra characters, uh, very long in the parts about Jonathan Harker in Transylvania, but very short at the end, when the story moves to England, it's very short. So this was not a normal translation, it was not a normal bridge translation, it was a kind of modification. And to get really to the gist of it, I started translating it. I taught myself Icelandic, more or less. Well, <laughs> which is not, <laughs> not a very not easy tri- language. Yeah, uh, I had help, of course. Uh, I, I posted on Facebook that I needed help with an Icelandic text, and there were about twenty-five Icelandic people that volunteered to help me. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, it was very nice. I never experienced so much support. I tried, tried later with Swedish, but that didn't work this way. But I, I, Icelanders, I was able to split up the, the whole novel in 25 sections. So everyone had, let's say, four, five, six pages, uh, which to them with, with very primitive translation and they, improved on it and gave me tips and then I edited it again and sent it out to another Icelander and after three rounds we had a pretty sophisticated translation mm-hmm. and okay there are good online dictionaries there are grammar books so I just worked on it like a madman for more than a year and then we had the text ready sure and then you um and then you 
the, the, the published book also has a lot of really good, um, just informational, um, you know, chapters, the, the, the introduction and the preface and everything. And there's a lot of really great information and research done there. Um, you know, with the castle and everything. So did, was, was it difficult to put that information together? Well, that was the, 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 the main challenge next to, uh, let's say deciphering the Icelanding. The, the, the main question for, for me and for everyone who worked on this project was, uh, to what extent was Stoker himself involved? Right. Did he write an English draft that he sent to Iceland, uh, or did he send one of his earlier drafts to Iceland? Um, or maybe even that someone in England translated a part of it and sent it to Iceland. We were not sure how this relationship was because there's no letters, no publishing contract. Uh, Stoke, uh, the, the Iceland is never mentioned in any of Stoker's, let's say, diaries or mm-hmm. its biography of, um, Irving. And, I, I digged and dug, I'm going to say dug, <laughs> yes. into this. And there are a lot of people that could have connected them. There are five, six people like Hal Kane, who has been in Iceland, uh, or Frederick Myers, whose work was published in Iceland, or um, um, some secretary of a Shakespeare society who had contacts in Iceland and also with Bram Stoker, Dr. Furness. Uh, there were some possibilities, but no definitive proof. And only um, when the book was published in February 2017, uh, two weeks later, I got an email from a Swedish guy mm-hmm. who then pointed out to me that in Sweden, there was a very similar story with a very similar name, also Powers of Darkness. Wow. Uh, it uh, was in Icelandic, it's Macht Mikrana. In Swedish, it is Mörkrets Machta. Both mean Powers of Darkness, if you translate it to English. And it turned out, indeed, that this was the story that was the basis of the Icelandic story. Well. Wow. <laughs> And uh, there probably was no direct contact between Bram Stoker and Iceland, but the whole thing went via Sweden, a Swedish newspaper publication. Okay, yeah. So, and is, is that Swedish version, is that, has that been published yet, or is it, are they working on that still? Uh, it has been published or republished again in Sweden, mm-hmm. in Swedish language, in October 2017. Now, the... the uh, the guy that was familiar with it, uh, Richard Berghorn, he also has a little uh, uh, publishing company for fantasy fiction. So he republished the original Swedish text. Mm-hmm. And I think he also plans to um, publish in en- an English translation, but I haven't seen it yet. And right. maybe it's, well, it's, it's a lot of text. It's longer than Dracula. Dracula is 160 thousand words or 163,000 words and here we're talking about uh, more than 300,000 words so it would be a lot of work sure so 
then kind of shifting gears. Well, uh, besides that, you've you've also been looking into a lot of other things. You've published some different articles over the past year. Um, you know, I think it was this year that you published the one about you know who Van Helsing might have been, and you've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of other work. So you just are you are are these things just kind of coming to you that you're finding in research, or are you going out looking for little special you know stories to find? Well, I was I was always curious about the identity of Van Helsing because mm-hmm. that's the rule that we cannot really solve. Uh, there are too many possibilities and, and not not enough definitive clues. I, I I stumbled over it when I read something in the Dutch Wikipedia about Van Helsing, and there I found a uh, reference to a Dutch filmmaker who says, "My grandfather." was Van Helsing. Hmm. Um, and his grandfather indeed was a good candidate. He was a psychiatrist and a hypnotist. He was one of the first to open a clinic for hypnotic treatment in Amsterdam in 1887. His name was Albert van Rentergen. And he worked together with um, Frederick van Eden, who is a very well-known Dutch author also of poetry and fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were no unknown persons, but of course I had to again do background research. I, I, I read the biography of Van Renterham. I read a lot of papers and letters. And in the end, I could not prove it that this was the person that Stoker was hinting to when he was saying that Van Helsing was based on a real person. Sure. But it would be, it would be nice. Yeah. He was he was a psychiatrist and hypnotist. So he, he worked with hypnotic therapy mm-hmm. just like Van Helsing. He lived in Amsterdam. Uh, he was well known uh, in uh, circles of uh, research. You know, he was on conferences all over Europe, and many people used this method. Would have been nice, but I couldn't prove it. So that's following me for a couple of years. And then this year, I decided to wrap it all up Mm -hmm. with a new clue that I had from Dekre Stoker. Dekre told me that the grandson, sorry, the son of Grand Stoker, Noel, went to school in Oxford, mm-hmm. and Oxford is also the place where Max Muller was a professor at Oxford University. So I thought when, when his school, already at age seven, went there to boarding school, then Stoker must have been there quite a lot of times to, sure. to bring his son to school, to pick him up, you know, for the holidays, Christmas, Eastern. Uh, I'm quite sure that he must have been there. Mm-hmm. A couple of times, and when you once you're in Oxford, of course, the university is just in front of the station, more or less, all the all the colleges, and the school of his son was about one and a half kilometers walking from the station. So, a very good possibility that he had friends in Oxford, and that Max Muller maybe uh, was the original Van Helsing he had mm-hmm. in mind. Sure. Yeah. There's always always lots of possibilities. So um, to shift gears, then for the past um, two years, after the um, after the fourth Dracula Congress that was held, um, 
the uh, Transylvanian Society of Dracula uh, from the Romanian chapter decided to, to close down and, and not do the conferences. And so you and some of the other people have been planning this, uh, this workshop, this conference that's going to be happening next week in Romania. So do you want to talk a little bit about the development of that conference and what, what you're hoping to get out of it? Okay. Um, uh, to, to recapitulate, we, we had already the plan to cooperate with the Brasov University uh, before even Dublin happened because I, I met with Florin Hita uh, already in August, I think, of 2016. And when we had the conference in, the, in Dublin and then the Transylvania of Dracula signaled, okay, it was very nice success. We've been active for 25 years now. We don't want to organize any new conferences after this. Um, then there was a logical step to say, okay, we have a location already. We have an offer. We have a university that's interested. Uh, let's take the initiative in our own hands and make a cross-platform conference. That was the idea. A conference that's not dependent on any association, on any academic, uh, let's say, institution, mm-hmm. but that is organized by the researchers that want to present the research and we will provide the organizational framework for that. And that was the children of the night idea. We put up we changed the, the websites, the Facebook group of the Transylvanian Society of Brackling to a Children of the Night group. Mm-hmm. From there, we kept in contact with young researchers from all over the world that, that have something interesting going. That's uh, the, what we're going to present in Brasov next week, mostly young people that work as assistant professors or scientific assistants or whatever, and PhD students, and that have found some interesting edge on Dracula. Mm-hmm. And um, who are the keynote speakers going to be for this conference? Uh, very important for us is that we have Marius, uh, Marius Krisan from Timisoara. Right. Uh, he was also in Dublin. We, we, I, I met him already in London in 2012. He's a very uh, friendly guy that does very thorough research into the Romanian backgrounds of the Dracula myths or the way that English authors have perceived Inia mm-hmm. uh, in their writing and how this is reflected in Stoker's novel. Um, very genial guy and then we have two Romanians, Christian Pralea, or Pralea, excuse me if I don't say it right, and Georgeta Moakas, both from Transylvania University of Brasov. Rash- uh, uh, then last but not least, uh, I must mention Victoria Amador, who has been teaching in the United Arab Emirates. So we look forward to, to see that. And then... Inevitably, uh, Magda and I are also going to speak mm-hmm. um, uh, Grabias about vampires and werewolves and demons, the nature of the Polish horror film. So looking at it from the, from the Polish tradition. 
And from my side, I'm going to 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 highlight again the the connection between the Swedish variants, the Icelandic drac uh, dracula uh, version, the Hungarian dracula version, and the first serialization of dracula in the U.S., which took place May 1899. Right, and you yeah you published something about that I think um, two years ago on World Dracula Day. Uh, one, I believe, I think, or, maybe or, last, or last year, yeah. May 2017, about. Yeah. yeah, when we were we were having our conference here, here in Texas, and I, I remember. Exactly on that day. That came out that day, yeah. 26 May. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so, is what else? Um, what else will be going on uh, that's related to the conference? I know that it's taking place right before the Dracula Film Festival. How how has that partnership been put together? Uh, it is, it is a loose interaction because, uh, the, most of the, of the film festival takes place in Romanian. Uh, they have two workshops that would be interesting for us about, with an Italian director who is going to, to do a workshop about movie acting. There's a, something about video, uh, video filming with your smartphone, but mostly mm-hmm. I we just go there in the evening because we'll be done at six o'clock and then their program is of course starting up for the evening and we'll just uh, join with the people and watch the movies and hope sure. they're subtitled. <laughs> sure. So are there any plans? Um, do you have any plans for any other conferences after this or any major um, publications that you're working on? Uh, we're still working on the publication that is the, the, the follow-up of the Dublin conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have gathered all the papers. Um, we have the, the, the green light from Palgrave Gothic to go ahead. So we are now in the process of, of, of condensing a little bit the texts and then I hope half a year, a year uh, that the book will be published. And the same plan we have after the Brasov conference, and Brasov should be also the starting point. In two years, we want to do another conference, mm-hmm. and then two years later again. Mm-hmm. And we, we can go again to Brasov, or maybe we end up in Poland, or Czech Republic, or Turkey. There are many, many places where research is taking place at the moment. Sure. Great. Well, do you have uh, anything else that you want to um, plug or maybe how people can find out more about things you're doing or any websites or social media or anything like that that you want people to know about? Um, the, the the group that we have for the conference is also like a blackboard for all kinds of announcements. It's, it's called the Children of the Night uh, group on Facebook. Uh, it's an open group. That means you can... Uh, apply for membership, so to say, and uh, in 99% of the cases, uh, we, we let people in. Sure. There we any any news about conferences that we are going to plan. Um, the, the conference itself, the branch of conference, has a website of its own. Uh, it is called dracongress.yindo.com. Uh, it's it's a free website that we made just to mm-hmm. be able to post everything that's important for the 
participants to know. And for the rest, I've been publishing a lot with Anthony Hawk. Right. On Vamped Orc. I think you know him. I do, yes. Yeah, he's very, very active and he's very thorough in vetting his the contributions, but we, we've done a lot over the last two years about uh, uh, McNally and Floresco. I had a big article uh, about the serialization in the US, then about the, the, the editor of the Swedish version, and now a big surprise that has come up uh, only a couple of months ago that a part of the Swedish preface, which is the the matrix of the, the, the famous Icelandic preface. Mm-hmm. Turns out that the whole paragraph from this preface is copied from the memoirs of a priest. Oh, well. Wow. Of a Swedish priest. <laughs> Very crazy. Uh, it's undeniable that one must have copied from the other. And as the priest has been publishing already three months before the, the preface, was published as, as in, in, in the newspaper serialization. It's, it's pretty sure that the, 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 the Swedish guy must have copied from the priest. Sure. And I, I don't think that Bram Stoker did that because he couldn't read Swedish. And it is, I think, I think it would be weird for him to, to, to plagiarize from a Swedish text. So. It's cast again a new light on this riddle. Uh, to what extent was Stoker involved in these Scandinavian versions? Mm-hmm. That sounds really interesting. We'll look forward to more information about the Swedish version coming out as the as the year years go on. Yeah, so. I, I I I offered my publisher to do it myself, but because I already did the Icelandic version, mm-hmm. they not so keen of now following up with, uh, with the Swedish version, and I'm uh-huh. bound my publisher with a non-competition clause, so mm-hmm. it has to be someone else. Right. And, and uh, uh, I, I, did, I did want to say, to kind of go back to the Powers of Darkness, just um, what a, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful book, the, the actual printed book itself. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people yeah. I talked to have said the same thing. It's a, it was a really nice, um, it's a really nice publication that that you were able to put together. So, yeah, I was very happy. They had a super cover design, and then this hard cover with this extra imprint in it was really yeah, nicely done. Really. Okay. Well, thanks for taking uh, time out. It's a uh, evening for you right now, so I'll let you um, you know get on with your day. But I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us and. Um, We'll look forward to hearing more from you as the conference goes on. Sure, thank you. All right, thank you. And I hope you enjoyed that interview with Hans DeRoos. As always, you can find this podcast at thevampirestoring.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Tumblr, um, you know, any of those places, the Vamp Historian or The Vampire Historian. Also email at thevampirestoring at gmail.com. And uh, stay tuned for a few more episodes here in October 2018. And next week will be an episode celebrating Salem's Lot Day like we did last year. So uh, stay tuned for that. If um, Salem's Lot is one of your favorite books or films, um, we'll be talking about the movies this year. So uh, that will be out next week for Salem's Lot Day. 
and uh, we've got more episodes uh, planned and already recorded for the rest of October, so stay tuned, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. <laughs>